Um, I'm going to move into my message today. This is our third week on uh, this series called Broken Debts. Um, today's message will be uh, talking about victory. Victory. Now, I started off this series talking about stewardship. Stewarding our resources. Not just finances, but our resources in general. Uh, resources can be a lot of things. Your relationships, your time, your talents, your giftings. Uh, for example, we just talked about that. Melissa is steward, uh, stewarded her giftings and talents uh, and, and, and poured into the kingdom of God. There's going to be rewards. We talked about rewards last week for those that steward their giftings or steward their resources the right way. And uh, so last week we talked about rewards. This week I'm going to talk about something that I, in fact, I told Julie this morning, I said, this is a very, this is not a fun sermon to preach in church. I mean, some of you get excited about this type of thing, uh, and, and I do too. I, I have an Excel spreadsheet that I'm very proud of. Because I'm going to tell you, it's got macros. It's I, I, that was kind of my thing uh, at when I worked out. I, I love to. I love. I love how, what Excel would allow you to do. But when I look and uh, like uh, future planning and uh, and looking at the future and what uh, my finances will look like, I have it go out to 20 years from now. I know that's kind of weird, but it's future planning, right? And so I, I gauge that uh, when we're debt-free and, and all of this kind of stuff and what that looks like and, and all of these types of things and how we can save and, and all that. So today I'm going to talk about finances, particularly money management and what the Bible says about things like that. Because, you know, this is applicable right now. I mean, you can plug this into your life right now. What I'm going to bring to you is not taught in churches very often. Because money, a lot of times, is a four-letter word when it comes to the body of Christ. It shouldn't be that way. It, it, it should be something just like our time and our talent that we could talk about this. And so I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to teach you. Now, teenagers, I'm going to share some things that you need to hear and learn today. And many of us in this room that maybe we miss the boat on a few things I'm probably going to step on your toes because this message doesn't just preach to you. This message preaches to me too. And there's reasons why I'm preaching this. The reason is because so many of us need it. There are so many marriages that struggle in the area of finances. Finances and the fights that come up with that cause a lot of turmoil and stress in the home. In fact, it's one of the number one reasons why marriages end in divorce. They struggle with this. So, uh, this, the, the, this message um, is to uh, really to apply the biblical principles regarding uh, giving, saving, and spending so that you can enjoy a spiritual worldview of stewardship that honors God. We want to steward in an honoring way. We live in a nation known for the freedom that it offers, right? We, we have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, uh, freedom of press, among other freedoms. However, the one freedom that every few 
uh, that very few Americans are experiencing today is the freedom from debt. Americans are drowning in a sea of debt. Many have become slave to the lender, as we, it says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. Listen, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. Now, if you took Visa and you made an acrostic, Visa can be translated this way, V-I-S-A, volunteering for institutional slavery always. That's Visa. Many of us are like the seven dwarfs with Snow White who leave for work every morning singing, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Someone once said money talks and it regularly says goodbye. The average American household, listen, now clo- is, it, it has close to $11,000 in credit card debt alone. Just credit card debt. That's not counting automobile loans or student loans or home mortgages. Debt has become a way of life. And there are now three groups of people in our nation. The haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-paid-for-what-they-have-yet. Right? Instead of living for the future, people are now paying for the past. Oh, that's good, Pastor Dave. Instead of living for the future, people are paying for the past. Debt has become the new addiction. Whatever debt rules, debt ruins. Marriages have divorced over fighting about bills and money. Dreams have been sidelined as people's focus and time has has to first go to trying to stay afloat in a sea of debt. Homes have been lost, businesses have been gone bankrupt, families have been destroyed over the nemesis called debt. While there is a lot of bad news about debt, there's some good news about debt. What in the world is that? That is this. You don't have to be a slave to debt. I'm not saying bankruptcy. There's a way out. God has given you a way to completely pay off all of the debt that you have if you'll simply follow His principles in His Word. If you'll just simply follow His principles in His Word. Now, I'm going to read in 2 Kings chapter 4. That's where I'm going to start. 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm going to read, start with verse 1. A certain woman, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. That's all she had. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere from all your neighbors. Empty the vessels, or empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. In other other words, grab as many as you can get. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour 
the oil into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. Now, I want to I break this up for just a little bit because I want you guys to get this. I want you younger ones to understand the story. There was a single mother. She was a widow and her two, her two teenage boys. They had some debt they couldn't pay. And so the debtors were coming to take her sons into slavery. And so the, the mother went to the man of God and said, what am I supposed to do? And he said, what do you have in the house? And she said, all I have is a jar of oil. A jar of oil. Okay. This is not much, but a jar of oil. That's all she had. And he said, I want you to do this. I want you to go to all your neighbors, and I want you to borrow as many jars, empty jars as you possibly can. And so they went and they gathered up as many as they, they could fit into the house, as many as they could find. And they got all the jars and they put them in the house. And the, and the man of God said this. He says, I want you to take the oil out of your jar that you have and I want you to pour it into the empty jars. And so she took, she took her jar. She shut the door. It, it went into their house, her and her, t- her teenage boys. She shut the door. And they took the jar of oil, the one jar of oil, and they began to pour the oil out of that jar into the empty jar. And as they poured it, something miraculous began to happen. It just kept on flowing. It, 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 it was a miracle. It just kept on flowing out of the jar. And it filled up that jar. And she, I can imagine what the mother was probably like. Bring me another one. And it just kept on flowing. And she filled up. Keep, keep bringing them. And, and, and then they just, this little jar filled up all of the empty jars that they had. It was a true miracle. And then and she said, bring me another one. And one of the teenage boys says, we don't have any more. They're awful. Are you kidding me? So she goes to the man of God and she says, I did what you said. And this is what happened. And now I got all this oil in my house. And he goes, okay, I want you to take that oil and go sell it. And pay off your debt. It's a miracle. I I want you to get it. Because these aren't just stories. These are true, real life stories. It's, It's not just an opinion. These things happen. I could share with you stories of my own of God's provision in miraculous ways. The first thing I want you to understand is, number one, giving to God is the first step toward financial victory. Giving to God is the first step to financial victory. Now, um, I, I say giving, but I want to address it a different way. I think we really need to see it this way. We're not just giving. How do you give to God what belongs to his, Him already? We're bringing to God. We're bringing to God what belongs to Him. 
bringing to God is the first step toward financial victory. Your tithe reflects and demonstrates the fear of God. Now, understand, listen, I'm not talking, I'm not telling you all this so that the church can get more money. The church does not need your money. It's not about that. I want you to understand the principles of being blessed according to God's biblical principles. That's what I want you to get. That's why I'm talking about this. It's not that the church could get more money. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with you understanding these principles at a young age or an old age or a middle age. And then you can teach them to your kids and your grandkids. You need to teach them this because this is a way to be blessed. Number uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14. Verse 23 to 23, see, I just said tithe reflects and demonstrates a fear of God. Listen, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. He's saying this is something that will teach you to learn to fear the Lord your God. Now, the fear of the Lord, Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Some of us have not learned how to fear the Lord. Because we don't bring our tithe or our offering to God. Solomon said the most important thing that we can do is fear God. Now you may say, well, Pastor Dave, tithing is all in the Old Testament. No, it's not. We, we don't separate the Old Testament from the New Testament. We don't do that. It's one book. One book. We don't separate one from the other and say we don't live by the Old Testament. We just live by the New Testament. Mm-mm. Now, everything in the Old Testament is in the New Testament. It's a type and shadow. There's an example of one in the other. Everywhere you go. So Solomon said the most important thing that we can do is fear God. That is in Ecclesiastes chapter chapter 12, verse 13. To fear the Lord. We may learn to fear the Lord, your God. In Deuteronomy, it says, do this by learning to tithe. As a descendant of Abraham, you are to follow in the spiritual principle of tithing. So you, you can read Gal- uh, Genesis chapter 14, 18 through 20, Galatians, New Testament, chapter 3, verse 29. Tithing started with Abraham, and it continues into the priesthood of Jesus. The spiritual principle of tithing as a means of fearing God carries into the church age. First, uh, first uh, Tim- uh, I'm sorry, first Peter. Chapter 2, verse 17, it says this, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We bring to God because we fear Him in a reverent way. We bring to God what belongs to Him because we honor Him in a reverent way. This is why we do this. We bring to God because we recognize that if it had not been for God's mercy, I wouldn't have the energy or the strength or the wisdom or the knowledge to be able to make the money that I do. That helps me pay my bills. I wouldn't have the the ability to run the business that I have 
or get the position. I, I look at what I was doing at Tyson. I was telling somebody this past week what I was doing at Tyson. I didn't have a degree in. How in the world was I a sourcing manager? I didn't, I didn't have any experience whatsoever. I had people under me that had master's degrees. What in the world? You know how? The only reason is because God was faithful. The only reason. See, God can make some things happen in your life when you, don't lack, when you lack the experience and the knowledge to get anything done. God can make something happen because you've honored Him and you feared Him in a reverent way. Withholding your tithe robs God of what is rightly His. I'll say that again. Rob, withholding your tithe robs God of what is rightly His. Let me just, let me just give you a, a thought. If you gave somebody the keys to your car and he didn't bring back your car, would you then give him the keys to your house? You wouldn't do that, would you? It's not likely if, if you can't trust that person with your car, you're not going to trust that person with your house. Well, what if this? What if you gave your, your child a dollar and your child lost that dollar? Would you then turn around and give them two dollars? Probably not. Yet many Christians want more from God when they're robbing Him of what He has, what, what He's already His. God will not give more if the more that He gives will not be used to honor Him. Yet the reverse of what is true as well, honoring God with your wealth and He will open for you the windows of heaven and will bless you in a way if you honor Him says that in his word. Now Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, I, I was talking about robbing God. This is tough. And it says, will a man rob God? And yet you've robbed me, but you say, oh, God, in what way have we robbed you? In your tithe and your offering. Hmm. You demonstrate that you fear God when you trust him with your finances. See, see, if you, if you rob God, I'm just going to call it like it is. If you don't bring your tithe and offering to the Lord, you're a thief. Pastor called me a thief. I did. I did. I did. I'm sorry. But it's what it says. It's what we just read. If you don't bring your tithe and offering to the Lord, you're a thief. It's difficult to, to have this sermon. This is not a firm sermon. I wish I could tell how good God is, but this is kind of telling you how good God can be. Good, God can be good. When you take God's money and use it for reasons other than what He has determined, God will allow your resources to dwindle. You'll turn around and look at your finances and go, where did it all go? Anybody ever had that happen? I did. I've had that happen several times. And sometimes we don't want to admit that we're unfaithful in our giving and in bringing back what belongs to God. This is what it says in Malachi. I know I'm back in Malachi. Pastor David just called us a thief. I know. This is what it says in verse 9. You're cursed with a curse. What in the world? That's what it says. You're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation then this is what it says in verse 10. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me. Try me, 
now in this. This is what the Lord is telling you. Try me. Just try me. Says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. God is telling you that if you would just try him in, in bringing back to him what belongs to him. He is going to bless you in ways that you can only imagine. This is the one area that God says just try me. Verse 11, and it says, this is what he says, uh, for you, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Man, that is, that is like ah, fresh breath. It's like fresh air. So if I'm faithful to God, He's going to be faithful to me. Can I tell you something? God's been faithful to me even at times in my past when I've not been faithful to Him. He's that way. But I will tell you this. I don't know how long His faithfulness lasts. I don't know how far His grace reaches. And if we continue to expect more from God and never bring back to Him what belongs to Him, I, I can't guarantee that next week your motor's going to blow up. And you're going to end up having to go to the doctor for something. Or your roof's going to start leaking. Or your air conditioner's going to go out. Now, does God make things like that happen? I don't believe that. It just says in the Scripture that He would stop the devourer from dwindling and, 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 and destroying all that resource that you have. That he'll stop the hand of the devourer. So God will allow, we, we uh, Julie and I, we bought a house. And uh, we lived in this house uh, for about, about eight years, I guess it was. Eight, nine years. And everyone's air conditioning units, I mean our air conditioning unit was teeny tiny. It was about the size of this pulpit. Okay, maybe it's a little bigger, but... It was small, and it was just too small for a house, but, you know, that's what we had. And everybody else's uh, air conditioning unit around us was going out. And, and Cody can vouch for this because they lived across the street. And it was about 15 years old, and I was like, Jesus, thank you, Lord. I'd go out, and I'd, I'd mow the yard, and I'd, I'd just rub that air conditioner unit, and I'd say, thank you, Jesus, for my... It might be small, but it's okay, God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful, you know? And, and so certain things, uh, God will, uh, will hinder the devourer because you've been faithful. Giving to God is directly correlated with your ability to produce wealth productively as a Christian. God encourages you to test Him in your tithing so you can see Him bless you. Failure to bring to God led the Israelites to financial poverty. Giving or bringing to God involves more than just money. It's about the recognition of God as owner. We, we talked about this two weeks ago. God is the owner of all things. He just allows us to steward the things that He's given us. Everything's on loan from God. Everything that I have is His. Everything. God, I hope I'm being a good steward. Can I tell you something? The words coming out of your mouth are even given by God. The Bible says that 
that I'm every word that comes out of the mouth of a man, they will give account for every unbridled word that comes out. That's a whole other sermon. We, we've got to understand that God owns it all. And He blesses us. Now, number two, I only have three points, so... Number two, saving is the second step toward financial victory. These are basic principles, basic skills. Young, young people, you need to hear me. When you save, you prepare for the future. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's his grandkids. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the, for the righteous. Joseph instructed Pharaoh, he said this, he said, I want you to save because the impending famine is coming. And he said, you got this great harvest right now. Joseph was telling Pharaoh, you got this great harvest right now. And so what we're going to do for seven years is we're going to set aside a certain amount every single harvest and we're going to store it back preparing for the famine to come, the seven-year famine. And so that's what they did. And Joseph, he managed that. And he said, you know what? We've got so much that we're going to have to build more barns. And so they built storehouses and they built barns and they packed those storehouses full and they saved. And you know what happened? Because they saved and because they prepared, all the region was coming to them because the famine was so great. And they had the resources. Saving helps us during times of unexpected economic hardship. I know some of you say, well, you know, the stock market crashing is not going to affect me much. I understand that. It will, though. And saving will help during those times. Everyone should not only save for themselves, but they should teach their children how to save. Now, my... My mom and dad, I remember as a kid, mom and dad uh, have always been good with their finances. They've, they've always been very good at, um, even dad, all the years that he was uh, in working in his, um, uh, at Tyson, he worked there for almost 30 years, 32 years, whatever it was, and, and uh, max amount was going to stocks and a max amount was going to 401k. That was when, back in the day, when you had a max. And uh, it was all going there. And I, I would listen to mom when I was a kid and mom and dad. And that mom would have the, the printout. Well, it wasn't a printout. It, it was a printout, but it came in the snail mail. And uh, dad had a, a thing called the checkbook. Yeah, you ever heard of one of those? <laughs> and they would do something. Now I know this, this is going to be a word that you're like, they would what? It would do something called reconcile. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you all are like, what are you talking about, Pastor Dave? Anyway, they would call out. Mom would call out a number. Dad would check it. You know, Mom would call out a number. Dad would check it. And they would make sure that everything matched and balanced, right? And if there was one penny, my mom was like, where is that penny? I know we had that penny. My dad would be like, i got to find that penny, you know? Because they, they wanted it right. You know Why? Listen to what I'm telling you. They were good stewards. 
They were good stewards. And so they would do that. And they would put in savings. I want to tell you this. Uh, Mom and dad have been a great example in my life of this. I can't tell you that I've always followed their principles. I wish I had. But this is one thing about it. They didn't always have everything they wanted. But they had everything they needed. And even in the times where they wanted certain things, they would still not fudge on their saving and their preparing for their future when they retired. They wouldn't, they wouldn't fudge on that. And it shows today, moms have retirement age. <laughs> she doesn't like that, I know. Everyone should not only save for themselves, but teach your children how to save. Amen? Now, God gave us some illustrations of one of the smallest creatures on earth whose wisdom concerning saving is much bigger than most of ours. And now, this is what it says in the Bible in uh, Proverbs chapter 6, um, verse 6 and 8. I, it's not in your notes. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise which, having no chief, officer, or ruler. Did you get that? They, did, they didn't have a chief, or a, they, didn't have a, they didn't have a boss over them. But having no chief, officer, or ruler, they prepare their food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. They prepare for the winter ahead. They don't have to be made or forced. The ant knows how to gather and store away for later, and yet many people today who hold bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, or doctorates, or even something higher, have not yet learned that principle. And they wonder why there is so much stress when it comes to the handling of finances. Now, I'm going to share with you guys something. This is really valuable. A young person were to simply put away $100 in savings every month from the time that they are 18 until the, the, the natural time of retirement, which is what, Mom? Sorry. I, I, okay, we're moving along. If, if, they were, if they were to put a the older I get, the younger that is. I'm just going to tell you right now. If, if, a, teen, if a teenager starting at 18 was to give $100 a month and, and invest it until the natural time of, of retirement, and if they were to earn an average of 6% interest for their investment, they would have a lot to use for retirement. In fact, they would have over a million dollars by simply investing $100 a month. Now, in your notes, and it, it, it should be on your, uh, on your app as well, I put just a few things there. It's, it's some things. It's top 10 tips to reduce expenses in your home. And uh, I just got that off of uh, CNN, money.com, money CNN. And uh, so some things that would help you. Dave Ramsey uh, also has some things as well. 
uh, that I pulled from. Uh, the third thing I want us to, to, to look into today, my third and final point today, is spending according to biblical principles leads to financial victory. Spending according to biblical principles leads to financial victory. Now, you need to create a budget to make the most of your money and stay within your limits. That's one of the things that mom and dad would always tell me, even as a young adult. You're living beyond your means. Which was true. And I made some mistakes that way. And I think a lot of people do. We'll, 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 we'll cash in on our savings or we'll take our savings that we're, we're, we, we don't put into savings so that we can buy that new car. So... Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. The paths of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, listen, surely lead to poverty. How many, how many want that in their life? Create a financial plan for how you expect to spend the resources that God has given you. God has given you. God has given you. Your financial plan should outline your needs. Not all your wants, but your needs. The first portion of your financial plan should be directed toward your needs. That means your living expenses, your clothes, your food, that type of thing. Now, now needs and wants are different. Just because mom and dad, they, they saved, didn't mean they had all their wants. They had their needs. Now, now you go overseas, you, you go to India, this is what you're going to see when you go to India. You're going to see people that are laying on the, on, on the concrete street in the middle of the road. You're going to see them on the sidewalks, laying and sleeping on the sidewalks. Why are they sleeping on the sidewalks? It's because the sidewalk and the streets, the concrete is warm. And they don't have any place to live. And so they lay on the concrete, the streets, because it's warm. I, I, I was driving through India, first time I'd ever went there, and it was about 3.30 in the morning, my, the flight comes in crazy time, and, and it, so I landed, and, and I had the, the, one of my guys there uh, pick, up, pick me up, and, and so he was taking me to the hotel, and as we're driving down, I don't see a whole lot of traffic, there wasn't a whole lot of traffic, but I, I look down the road, and, and I see somebody walking down the street toward me, I'm like, what in the world? It's kind of odd, 3.30 in the morning, seeing somebody walking down the street. I mean, like down, right down the middle of I-49. Right down the middle, walking toward me. And I'm thinking, am I seeing this right? Is that what I, that's what I'm seeing? They didn't have a stitch of clothes on. You know, so I turned my head and I'm looking over here at the driver because they drive on this side. And I, and I'm like, okay, what, what's, the, what's the deal? They didn't think anything about it. I said, what's the deal? Well, it could be a lot of different things. They could be on something. They could have been abused and have nothing. They could be somebody that's trying to get you to stop. So you have to be very careful. Our idea of needs are out of our mind sometimes. Your, your needs need to be redefined. Your needs need to be redefined. So create a financial plan which would meet your needs. That's the first portion. Distinguish between, between your needs and your wants. 
Uh, you may need a car, but maybe you don't need a high-priced luxury vehicle. Right? Um, here, here's a, here's a, a thing that maybe you um, parents and grandparents can do. Take your whole family to a nearby junkyard and just take a tour. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see the remnants of stuff that matters to most people. You're going to see the remnants of stuff that matters to most people. You're going to see cars that, that, that people used to brag about. Maybe they'd spend their entire Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, cleaning it, washing it, and waxing it because they loved their car. You're going to see dolls that have no arms that weren't, once were a shiny plaything on Christmas morning. You're going to see tools that people used to monkey around with and now they're turned into scrap. You'll see the stuff that people poured their lives into but that has no eternal value at all. A visit to a junkyard can help you in making purchasing decisions in your life. Why do you need more stuff? I, I, I remember my dad, and my grandpa was this way too. I think, man, he's got the junkiest, old, nastiest looking screwdrivers in the planet. But that screwdriver worked. It went in the slot and it turned. Why do you need something nice and new and shiny for that? You know, why, why, can't, why can we not be content with what we have? Remember to thank God for meeting your needs. See, the Israelites complained because they wanted meat even though God provided manna. They complained. How many, how many times do we complain that we have an old junker car, we want a new one. If you just got a new one, I'm not, I'm not talking about you. But if you're complaining, I'm talking about you. We, we, we do that, we complain. See, if the essentials of your life are being met, you need to thank and praise God because many people don't even have that. After your needs are met, Move on in your budget to your wants. Pl plan for how to have some of the things that you want in your life. It's okay to have some of those things. It's okay to have the wants if it fits in your budget and, and you're not living above your needs. But make sure your needs come before your wants or you may end up losing your needs at the expense of your wants. Now, Another thing that you need to do after your needs and wants, you need to make sure that you leave room in your budget for helping others. I was talking to somebody, I've heard this on many, multiple occasions, people that would buy a bag of groceries from, for people, and, and they didn't know it, that they needed that. They, they were hurting financially, and somebody said, you know, I just feel like I need to buy a bag of groceries for somebody. And they knock on their door, hey, I, I just feel, I don't know if you need this. I hope this doesn't offend you. But, and they're like, I just prayed. We have nothing in our pantry. 
You say, well, Pastor Dave, what does it say in the Bible about doing that? Acts chapter 20. I'm glad you asked. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. You'll be blessed as you invest in others with the resources that God has given you. You'll be blessed. Now, as our band and praise team come, Julie and I and a couple other people in our church are leaving on, on Saturday. This coming Saturday, we're going to Peru. We'll go there and be there for, for 14 days. And um, some of you may not know what we do. Um, an international missionary as well as what we do here. We have 135 churches in Peru. We've built 70. We have two orphanages in India where we rescue girls from slavery. We have 18 churches in the Philippines. Over the last few years, two of our pastors were murdered, some of them in the pulpit, beheaded because they love Jesus. I believe there's going to be kingdom rewards for them, the martyrs. And one that lost his life in the pulpit, his wife, they cleaned up the mess. His wife was in the pulpit the next week preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I look at what they don't have compared to what we have, and I'm embarrassed. It's embarrassing to post some things on Facebook knowing how some of the people that I serve when I go overseas live. Just being real. And if they can live with fewer needs, why can't we, for the sake of Christ, to honor Him? That's where my heart is. We leave Saturday. We're going there for two weeks. Um, we're going to do some uh, pastoral conferences, some crusades uh, out in the jungle of Peru um, and, and do some things there. And uh, we have two other people coming from our church. We have um, 12 other people, 11 other people that are going with us from all over the nation. Pastor Ted and Tammy from Colorado, uh, some pastors from uh, Kansas, if you've met them, Terry and, and Michelle Turner. And um, the Gainos are going with us once again. And we have a, gr- a large group. I say all that to say this. When I go to these places, I come back. It affects me every time. God, I want to sell everything I have. I don't want anything. I do. That's how I come back. I'm like, give it all away. Don't raise your hand. I'm not going to give you anything, okay? I'm not, it's just how I feel. <laughs> I don't have anything to give. I think some of us need to rethink what our needs are. I did this in the first service, and this is what I want us to do. There are a lot of us in this room. We have either financial struggles. We're strapped financially. We want to get out of debt. That's Julie and I want to get, want to get out of debt. We have some debt we want to get out of. I feel like that honors God, and we're working towards that. Um, we've got it. We're, we're going to build a house. We sold our house last year. You know what? We're living in a camper, and it's not a fancy camper. It's a small little bitty camper. It's tiny. It's like a tiny, tiny home. 
I mean, we got home yesterday from Dallas, and we, we walk in the door, we go, Welcome home, honey! <laughs> you smell something? That's all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's, literally what, <laughs> that's literally what happened. <laughs> okay, better, better clean the toilet. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know why I'm sharing all that, but that's the truth. I'm sharing truth to you. Okay? I'm being authentic here. And, and so, you know, we, we, we had this plan for a home to build. And we're like, you know what, we need, to, we need to change this plan. We don't need that. We want bare bones, straight roof line, country, small. The smaller the better, certainly since we're going to be here until we retire. No steps anywhere. I'll be able to walk around the house when I'm old. And we scaled back a lot because of this. We have goals. We want to honor God. Maybe some of you, you're rethinking your goals. You're, you're rethinking. A lot of this has made you think about things because I'm, I'm praying that you see my heart here is to teach and, and is to help you understand the biblical principles of being blessed in this area. And that's what it's about. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, Pastor Dave, I, I need to rethink my needs. I re- really need to rethink uh, all of what I think is considered needs. Maybe it's this. Maybe you've been struggling in in financial area and you've been looking at another job or provision has been an issue. Maybe that's where it's at. Provision financially has been an issue for you. And you need God to bless you in a, in a, in a, and maybe that means a different job or something like that. Maybe you're without a job and you're looking. Maybe it's this. Maybe you have not learned the principles of stewarding your finances and bringing back to God what belongs to Him. Maybe that's it. I don't know where you fit in this whole mix, but I can guarantee you this. When you lean into something, you're going to receive what you're leaning into. What do you mean by that? When you, when you search for the answer, guess what you're going to find? The answer. When you lean into God and say, God, help me be a better steward. Help me, God, with with a job. Help me, Lord, with this. God will provide what you have need of. Isn't that right, Jordan? God will provide what you have needed. I I was talking to a person right uh, after first service, and they said, man, we wanted to stand up and tell our testimony. Three months ago, lucky he was, they were struggling financially, but they were faithful in their giving. Lucky rolled a full dump truck. I don't know how many times it rolled, but it rolled a bunch. Somehow, he walked away from that dump truck. I mean, he lost the entire load. The entire load was going with him. And he walked away from that load. That in itself is a miracle. And then the medical bills to follow after that. He, he was without a job. He was without pay. They stayed faithful to bringing to God what belongs to the Lord. And God gave him a job very quickly after that. He's now doing very well. And they stand on the hind side of it and go, thank God we were faithful. Can I tell you something? Success is defined by faithfulness. That's how success is defined. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want to, I want to do this. I want us to all stand to our feet.
if, if you meet any of these, uh, maybe you can answer some of these and say, you know what, that's me, Pastor David. That's you. I want you to come down front and, and let's come across the front and I want us to pray for you. Um, Julian, Julie, come on up here and, and, and join me.